all work is important work. And we all need each other to survive. And we all change the world in our own ways. And everyone deserves our respect. That's Deborah Poneman. And this is The Depression Detox Show. Welcome back to the Depression Detox Show, where we share ideas and stories to help you live a happier life. I am your host, Malik Josephs. Happy Friday. Thank you for joining me today as we close out this week's topic on the relationships that we have with our children with a brand new featured speaker, best-selling author, and sought-after seminar leader. And she is here to share the four biggest lessons that she learned from her two greatest teachers. Here's Deborah Poneman. Enjoy. The year was 1988, and I was at the top of my game. I was traveling around the country teaching my Yes to Success seminars in major cities from coast to coast. I had reps teaching Yes to Success in seven countries on four continents, and that was decades before the internet made international communication almost instantaneous. That was when we communicated by writing these things called letters, and we would put them in envelopes with stamps and put them in a little blue box on the corner. And we also made calls on these phones with curly cords that were attached to the wall. The first infomercial in the history of infomercials was my 12 cassette Yes to Success seminar. (laughs) Thank you. And my book was in the hands of a fabulous agent who had already garnered interest from several New York publishing houses, and I was in negotiations for my own daytime TV talk show. And then... On the evening of July 5th, after all the fireworks had been put away and Stars and Stripes Forever was no longer ringing in our ears, I gave it all up. The book, the TV show, the seminar, the infomercial, cold turkey, every bit of it. Because that was the night that I met the teacher who was going to teach me about love and truth. I just surrendered. Now, I have had many great teachers in my life. In fact, I spent years sitting at the feet of some of the greatest spiritual masters in the world. And several people in the audience today were there during those years. We were all together drinking in that knowledge like parched travelers in a desert. But this teacher was different. Her name was Diana although we didn't know it at the time. And she came into this world at 7.46 in the evening. And from the moment the midwives put her on my chest and I looked down at that little scrunched up face, I was in love. Not only because she was my little baby girl, but because I was now holding 
an eight-pound truth barometer. When she looked at me, those eyes saw into my soul. And I knew at that moment, with her watching, I could no longer be things like the personality Deborah, but I had to start being the person Deborah. I knew that I could no longer get away with things like telling little expedient lies or not walking my talk or asking my students to do things that I wasn't doing myself. When she looked at me, she saw me, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And through her eyes, I saw myself. Now, the plan was that I was going to have this baby, and I was going to get back to teaching success around the world. The only problem was that the core of my teaching was to follow the impulses that, teach, that speak to you in your heart. Yes, with all the fervor of an evangelical minister, I had spread the word <laughs> that you have to follow your heart, even if it's leading you in what seems like a completely different direction from your goals. That if you really want true success and authentic happiness, you must trust and follow those impulses of your heart. And the only problem was is that the impulses in my heart were telling me that my career had to come to a screeching halt. So at that moment, I became a full-time stay-at-home mom, and there I remained for the next 21 years. I gave up my seats in the business class cabin for seats on the floor at Kinder Gym. <laughs> and I gave up my chic business clothing for overalls and t-shirts that could be thrown up on. And I gave up my brilliant speeches on success and prosperity for brilliant speeches on why you should share your toys and why you should eat your broccoli. <laughs> and later on, speeches on why, if you're supposed to be home at 12 o'clock and it's now 2 o'clock, maybe you should call me. <laughs> or at least answer the phone when I call you. But I digress. When Deanna came into the world, <laughs> when Deanna came into the world, I no longer became the definitive authority on all things success. There was a new success expert in town, and the lessons were coming fast and furiously. And I remember one of my first lessons from Deanna was when she couldn't have been more than three because I was pushing her in a stroller, and we were going down the street, and we passed this incredible rose garden. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, Deanna, look at those roses. Can you believe that God could create something as beautiful as a rose? He is such an amazing artist, to which Deanna very quickly replied, how do you know that God is a he? <laughs> <laughs> to which I immediately backpedaled, being the consummate feminist I thought I was. Oh, Deanna, God has no gender. I meant he or she. Well, Deanna would have none of it. Have you ever been admonished by a three-year-old? <laughs> and she's like, well, mommy, if you meant he or she, next time you probably shouldn't just say he. <laughs> Lesson number one, say what you mean, and if you make a mistake, admit it. 
When Deanna was in her 20s, she was a personal stylist at Nordstrom. In fact, she was the youngest personal stylist in the history of Nordstrom Michigan Avenue, and she was good at it. And one day, out of the blue, she says to me, you know, Mommy, I know that you're disappointed that I'm not saving the starving children or out teaching meditation or joining the Peace Corps, and I'm only a stylist. Of course, I was like, oh, horrified, Deanna! <laughs> no, I am so proud of you that you're a personal stylist. Needless to say, she would have none of it, and Miss No BS said, well, if you want to live your delusion, that's up to you. <laughs> but I see how you apologize to your friends when you tell them that I am a stylist. But I want you to know, Mommy, that when I bring somebody into my styling room who thinks that they're unattractive or even ugly, and I put the right clothes on them and the right jewelry, and I pick up their hair, and they turn around, and they look into the mirror, and they see themselves as beautiful for the first time, I change just as many lives as you do. <laughs> Lesson number two. All work is important work. And we all need each other to survive. And we all change the world in our own ways. And everyone deserves our respect. And then there's Deanna's brother, who was born three years later. What's that expression in the Bible about truth, truth and love? Like as if there are expressions in the Bible about truth and love. I think there were a few. But I'm specifically thinking, let us not, let us not love in word and speech alone, but in action and in truth. Daniel was also, he just came out of the womb with this innate sense of truth. And I remember also when he was just about three years old, we were sitting at the kitchen table and we were coloring. And he says to me, Mary Jo will appreciate this, Mary Jo, he says to me, Mommy, why do people say love you to someone and then when that person leaves, they talk bad about them? Good question, Daniel. And I don't have an answer, but I do have lesson number two. Duplicity does not serve you, and our children are watching. When Daniel was 13, he and his entire class were going on the obligatory trip to Washington, D.C., and he and his friends just talked about this trip nonstop, how they were going to sneak into the girls' rooms at night and how they were, how they were going to you know, pick up chicks on the National Mall and how they were going to you know, sneak candy into their carry-on bags. Not too much talk about the Washington Monument or the Lincoln Memorial, but lots of talks about they had to plan all of their antics in advance. So two nights before the trip, I went to the obligatory parents' meeting and they, where they told us like where to bring the kids, at what time, and that there was going to be a swimming pool so the kids could pack their swim trunks. And then at the end, towards the end, they started giving out the room assignments. 
First, they give out the girls' room assignments, and then they start giving out the boys' room assignments. And they say, and Teddy will be in a room with Max and Dante and Kiwan. And I'm like, those are all of Daniel's best friends. And Asher will be in a room with Teddy and Terrence and Duan. And I'm like, those are Daniel's other four best friends. So they read out all of the boys' names, no Daniel. So I'm thinking, well, I better ask where Daniel is. Well, actually, I was thinking, what did he do now? But, <laughs> but I didn't say that. And then, just as I was about to raise my hand, the teacher goes, and Daniel will be in a room with Eric and Eric's personal aide. And I have to be honest with you, my heart sank. Because Eric was an autistic boy, and his room assignment was Eric and his not-too-hip 30-year-old personal aide. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Eric. He had been over to our house many, many times. Daniel loved him. But I thought that Daniel was going to be disappointed. And I didn't know what to do. So I got in the, in the car, and as I was driving home, I'm thinking, how am I going to break this news to him? And if he's really upset, should I offer to talk to the teacher and see if his room could get changed. So I go into the den and I say to Daniel, guess what? There's a swimming pool at your hotel. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I know, Mom. I already took out my swimming trunks. And I said, and you could bring up to $50 with you. And he says, Mom, I know. Dad already gave me $50. And I said, and? I hope that you're not disappointed, but if you are, maybe I could talk to the teacher. But they put you in a room with Eric and Eric's personal aide. And with that, my son looks at me and says, Mom, they didn't put me in a room with Eric. I asked to be with Eric because I thought about it and I realized that if he wasn't in a room with me, he would be left out. And you know, Mom, it's his eighth grade class trip, too. <laughs> Lesson number four needs no explanation. Yes, I have spent my life studying with some of the absolute greatest spiritual teachers and most renowned gurus on the planet. And I have sat through lectures, brilliant lectures on the power of truth and brilliant lectures on the power of love. But if you ask me which teachings made the greatest impact on my life, I would say without a doubt that it would be the teachings and the example of the two gurus who call me mom. Big thanks to Deborah Poneman for stopping by. Her website is yes2success.com. So you can go check that out. And I'll have a link to the entire talk as well as a link to her website in the show description. And that is a wrap for me. Please don't forget to follow the show, share it, or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify podcast. As always, I greatly, greatly appreciate you for it. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. 
I hope you have an amazing weekend and I'll see you back here Monday. So until then, stay strong. Later.